Hi, this is Jess Freeland from Reading Museum and this is The Real Reading Podcast. Hello, Hello. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Jilly Slevin. And I'm Tom Canning and welcome to episode 5 of The Real Reading Podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. And our guest this week is Jessica Freeland from Reading Museum, talking about the reopening of Reading Abbey. If you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Real Reading Pod. And if you're able, please leave us a review on iTunes. Currently, I'm the only one who's left a review on iTunes. So uh, we've got five stars naturally because I think we're brilliant. Um, as well as the interview with Jess this week uh, uh, about the Abbey. We've got all the usual features, including what we've liked this week, and Fort explains it all. Um, so, just, uh, just, uh, it's all a bit, a bit of a mess this week, hasn't it? Um, we've, we've got a couple of interviews in the bag, but we've struggled to record this because of things on the M4. Yes, it's been a struggle to pin us all down to a date. Yeah. See, you're jet setting across the country, uh-huh. visiting various glamorous Trinity Mirror sites, Manchester, and well, uh, Oldham. We were supposed to record yesterday on Tuesday, but there was a tiny incident on the M4 that didn't really end up being anything. Thankfully, because everybody Thankfully, was yeah. safe, probably. Yes, they were. No yeah, injuries like and no rush hour tailbacks. It was one of those ones which looked like it could have gone for quite a long time, but there was a very speedy recovery operation um, and no injury, so it all got going pretty quick after that. Excellent. And Jenny, you've actually had to come in on your day off to record this. I have, and I will be punishing you for it. <laughs> and you've run here, in fact. Yes, I was hoping to keep that a secret, but it's all part of the half marathon training. Yes. I uh, had to get a run in today, so I've run here and I'll be running back home. And you, look very, done. you look very warm, very wrapped up. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess, suppose so. It is quite cold. It is absolutely freezing. I'm sure this is thrilling well. listening for, our, for the people that have subscribed to the podcast. <laughs> They'll be unsubscribing pretty quickly, I can imagine. I do hope not. I do hope not. Um, okay, well, before we get into the features, uh, some feedback. Last week, uh, we were talking about the East Reading Mapid Ras... <laughs> <laughs> East Reading Mass Rapid Transit. Can someone please make it easier to MRT. say? MRT. <laughs> oh, Someone's dear. already done it, Tom. You Thanks. just need to pay attention. Okay, so last week, we spoke about East Reading MRT, uh, and we had a little bit of feedback. I think we probably got uh, a bit excited with all the talk about Reading buses. We just got completely carried away, didn't we? Yes. Um, so John Mullaney from Saw, which is Save Our Ancient Riverside, uh, said, there were some good points made, but also some inaccuracies, not least the key notion that the MRT will take buses off London Road. This isn't the case. The buses that are scheduled to use the MRT will not be rerouted buses from the London Road. All existing London Road services will remain. Buses using the MRT will be new services that will be transporting people from Wokingham and outside of East Reading. Residents from Cemetery Junction and East Reading wouldn't realistically use these buses as they would have to go significantly out of their way to board, to board them. So apologies for that if we uh, led anybody to believe that there would be no more buses on Cemetery Junction. Yes, if you catch the bus uh, on the roads of East Reading, you'll still be able to. Um, but the, the, the MRT is primarily a public transport project um, aiming to get more people to use buses and to improve bus transport around Reading but as I, as I said if you do need to get the bus in East Reading, Reading buses are not taking out bus services from East Reading leaving you stranded with 
Which does make sense. Which does make sense. I'm sorry if I did that word that correctly. We all apologise for for confusing the situation even further. What's already a quite controversial (laughs) situation, we are... Perhaps misled a few people on that. So. I, I still stand by the idea that using the bus to get around Reading is a good idea. Absolutely. And I wanted to mention this last week, but I didn't because we were so carried away with MRT buses. Cow Lane. Oh, I can't wait to be able to get the bus from Caversham to Towerhurst. It's going to be amazing. So your parents live up there, don't My they? parents live in Towerhurst. I live in Caversham. It'd be fantastic to be able to get the bus over to theirs. But at the minute, I have to either walk into town to get the bus out of out into town out from town to Towerhurst or one bus and then another bus so yeah uh, I'm looking forward to, to buses being able to go along Richwood Avenue Portman Road via Cow Lane yes yes and I, I believe at some point we will talk to Mr Mulaney Mulaney sorry and his um and his colleagues from SOAR as well, a bit close to the time when the full planning cap- planning application for the MRT comes in. Yeah. Um, it is important to point out um, that the planning application is constantly being worked on with this project. It's, it's not like the council stuck an application in and that's it. Um, it has been worked on until the very closest point before it gets discussed by Wok- Wokingham and Reading councils. So the, the concerns raised by the various bodies are being looked at. It's not as if they're just ignored and, said, and the council has said, this is what we're going to do, hard cheese. You know, work is going on. Thank you. So, uh, yes, as I say, uh, our apologies if we uh, made it sound like there were going to be no buses on Cemetery Junction. There are. Um, and I hope that makes up for it. Um, so, on to what we've liked this week. liked this week? I have very much liked the news that uh, RE3 is now accepting in bins from Wokingham and Bracknell and Reading plastic containers, tin foil and drink cartons. It's so exciting. We can now recycle more. <laughs> uh, may, perhaps I uh, sound a bit sad there, but um, I, it's just really good news. Um, for ages... People have been complaining about not being able to recycle lots of different types of plastic. Um, and now we can. We can put them in our bins and they'll be taken to RE3, uh, take, taken by RE3 and recycled. So fruit and vegetable punnets. Love the word punnet. <laughs> um, ready meal trays, yoghurt pots, uh, makeup pots, clean tin foil, um, drinks cartons can all be put in. The only thing, that, the only plastic that's still saying you can't recycle is black plastic. And I... I don't know why black plastic can't be recycled. I don't know what the what the difference is. I assume it's made up slightly differently, and it, it makes it harder to recycle. Um, but it's all part of a scheme to to direct rubbish away from landfill and uh, to be able to reuse more of it. And I just think it's really great. Along the same lines as uh, installing water fountains that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. It's just uh, reusing more plastic and helping the environment. It's really good news for people in Reading, Bracknell and Wokingham. Oh, here we go, Mr uh, West Berkshire. So yeah. there's, a, there's a particular divide around yeah. this table. So I sort of sit in the middle between Hugh and Jenny. And Jenny is on my left and Hugh is on my right. And the one on the left can use this new service. And the one on the right can't. But shall we, can I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would like to say that, okay, people in West Berkshire can't use the tip, but they can get glass taken away. They've got food waste collection and they don't have food waste collection. I don't know. Oh, no, my parents did. I apologise. 
We're not going to have to correct this next week. Again, I know. Let's just let's <laughs> just cut this bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not aware of food, food waste collection. Uh, certainly, we have glass. We are. I am going to try and find out if West Berkshire has any plans to to also do the same thing because obviously people like myself who live it, essentially live in Reading but live in West Berkshire don't have these same plastic recycling facilities as people a mile down the road do. And we also can't use the uh, the bin. The, the bin? The dump. <laughs> I, can, I can use the bin. The dump. Uh, a mile down the road, we have to still go to Newbury. So there's there's a few questions to be asked of, about recycling plans in West Berkshire. And we will be doing so and publishing once we have the answers to whether there's any new schemes coming in and when we might be able to use the tip in Padworth because that still hasn't been given permission. And... Um, we don't know. We don't know why. Um, so there's a two questions that I have in the pipeline this week um, that, that may well have been answered by the time we come out on Friday. So look out and get ready. It's. Uh, it seems incredibly strange that everybody is being asked to do more recycling, and yet you have to drive to Newbury. Yes, so which potentially uses more fuel. It's and just a ridiculous situation, isn't it? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is balmy. Admittedly. Um, most of my rubbish does get taken away. It's only, you know, if you're clearing out your house or something like that, you need to go to Newbury. Yeah, but yeah. Newbury's, I think it's close to 20 miles from the furthest parts of uh, West Berkshire where we are. And so, yeah, so people are driving that far. So any kind of green credentials you have are kind of ruined by the fact you've got a 40 mile round trip <laughs> pumping exhaust fumes into the atmosphere. Um, going to Newbury so as soon as they can sort out the facilities which are much nearer for for us poor people in places like uh, Burfield, Mortimer, Calcott and parts of Tarhurst as well so they can use that facility in Padworth the better. There's a there's a lot of work to be done on uh, on recycling in general, isn't there, and, yeah. and waste collection. It's really interesting, actually. Um, also, last week, Wokingham Borough Council announced that it was going to start food waste collections from people's homes, so curbside food waste collection. Um, obviously, Wokingham is under the same kind of recycling mm. network, RE3, as Bracknell and Reading, so it'll be interesting to see if, if this trial in Wokingham mm. is then rolled out across Reading and Reading and uh, Wokingham as well. Um, Reading and Bracknell as well, sorry. There's a whole host of other rubbish collection issues in Wokingham with the blue bag <laughs> scandal. Um, we won't go into that because I'm sure we don't have time to, to talk about the uh, pros and cons of bags versus bins. <laughs> so I feel like that's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> it could well be. Very, very long. Um, um, but, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just nice to, nice to see that kind of we're, we are getting yeah. somewhere with being able to recycle more. Um, Hugh? Uh, yes, this week I've been learning, which was nice. I've been learning about um, when Reading was uh, involved in a rather terrifying sounding air raid during during the war. Um, they had, um, it was the 75th anniversary of the, of the bombing. Um, they had a ceremony in town at the weekend to mark, to mark it. 41 people were killed. Four German bombs were dropped on Reading. Um, uh, the most famous of which is the People's Pantry, which was a, a restaurant in the um, in the town, which used to do emergency meals for people in the time in the times of rationing. Mm-hmm. It, used to, it used to help people out, give cheap cheap food to them. That was that was hit by one of the bombs. And the the, the most interesting one of the most interesting aspects of it is that the Paddington Bear author Michael Bond was on the roof at the time, and he survived. And he 
told the Daily Mirror last year before he, before he died. He, he spoke about it and his quote was, I got on the bus to go home, but no one sat near me as I was so dusty. Funny times, really. <laughs> Which is, is, you know, ex- extraordinary. It's an it's, absolutely extraordinary reaction to almost being blown up. Yes, it, it, it is, yeah. And it kind of, sort of symbolises the whole sort of British British spirit in, yes. in a way as well. It's just um, fascinating. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I apologise for that. Just, like just seventy-five years ago, there were four bombs dropped on Reading. I didn't even know about it. I no, must admit. like you, you know, walking around Reading Town Centre today, you'd there's there's no sign of it, is there? There's there's no, no kind of like lasting mark. They've put up a plaque up, a plaque up now, haven't they? They did that yeah. at the uh, at the ceremony at the weekend. Um, was it the solicitors near the church near the town hall was blown up as well, or, the, or parts of it? Yeah, the. Blandy uh, and Blandy. Yes. The plaque was actually put up five years ago, um, but the ceremony was at it. Um, but yeah, Blandy and Blandy was involved. St. Lawrence's Church um, was involved. I'm not sure why that was the reason it had scaffolding on it for 40 years. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, it was certainly involved. And also a department store called. <laughs> He was frantically searching through his notes. Wellsteed's department store was also involved, and Reading Labour Party office as well. Um, okay. was also was also hit. So, a very we got some very dramatic pictures, the courtesy of Red, Reading Museum, of the incredible devastation, and you can see the damage to the church as well as the uh, as well as the restaurant, which was obliterated. So, so yeah, a very interesting uh, thing to learn about Reading's history. That was, yeah, very, very interesting. So mine this week uh, is from the readingonthames.com blog, which uh, had a really good piece on the retail uh, and how retail is working up and down Broad Street. So uh, that's obviously the main street through through Reading, the pedestrian street in Reading. Um, and one of the things that I picked up from it, and so the thing that I liked about it is what, this, what the data that was picked up in the blog and, and what the data's been picked up, that's been picked up on the street could mean. Um, in the fact that what it shows is that one end of the street uh, where Artigiano is, the footfall is down 5.4%, whereas at the other end, um, towards the, the church and, and where we've just been talking about the bombings and stuff, um, that is uh, down only 0.5%. Um, I think I've just confused Friar Street and Broad Street there, haven't I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so sorry about that. I'm, I'm talking about Broad Street, uh, but but it's it's that end. So the the eastern end. Closer towards the <clears throat> the, the Oracle entrance. Yeah, and... yeah. So the yeah, so the eastern end is only down 0.5 percent. Artigiano, uh, that end is down 5.4 percent. Um, so it's just interesting to see that there's a clear difference between one end of the high street and the other and with River Island and Next moving out of the western end as well it's obviously going to have an effect and we're, we, our office is based in the western end and you can see um, that there's a, there's a difference in footfall I think when you go when you walk down there when we go out for lunch there's a there's a clear difference one end is clearly busier than the other for, for very obvious reasons that's where the majority of the well the, the, the only empty shops on Broad Street yeah. tend to be at that end as well you've got the old um Mango Bean coffee shop, and, yeah. and there's another shop where sometimes a, a perfume guy pops up every now and then and sells cheap bottles <laughs> of perfume. Um. So the, the interesting thing about it was, uh, obviously, I didn't know there were sensors that monitored these things, first of all. Uh, one of the things that the, the blog, the Reading on Thames blog, picked up was, uh, very interestingly, the pancake race on Tuesday was held outside Artigiano, so maybe we don't pay quite so much attention to February's figures um, with the pancake race being run right outside the sensor, uh, it was just quite interesting. But what it what it means and what it shows and what the day what I liked about this piece and what I liked about the fact 
um, that the data is, is recorded and, and presented in the way that it was, was that, you know, there's obviously some empty units at that end of the street. You know, it's got the article's got some good suggestions about what could be done. Um, you know, the, the landowners, the, the, the leaseholders should maybe get together and talk about what's going to happen there, whether it's leisure units or smaller units, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I, do, I remember when I was up in Middlesbrough working up there for a little while, um, we went around some of the side streets and there were loads and loads of businesses, small businesses opening in smaller units. And I was, I was told by the editor at the time that the reason that this was happening, and there were pubs opening as well um, in, in that place, and the reason was because the council or whoever owned the land had seriously lowered the rent so that businesses could go in there and get started. And it seems like that that seems like a great idea, and I'd love someone to, to kind of get hold of that and, and get going on it, which would be brilliant if they did. Um, so that was mine. Now it's time for Fort Explains It All. So for the uh, Fort Explains It All segment, we've just had to decamp up to the newsroom uh, as our studio area was uh, being used. Um, Jenny's left us for a short while, so it's just me and Hugh again, uh, just like the old days, Hugh. Absolutely, the, the good old days, as we, as we like to call them. Indeed, indeed. Um, so what are you talking about today? Well, uh, it's the second most wonderful time of the year. It's the, the announcement of how much council tax is going to, uh, going to be. And I assume it's gone down. Down, yes, massively. In fact, it's been scrapped completely. Oh. Um, so that's good. Um, no, it has gone up. It's five point nine nine percent is is the headline figure this year. Um, that's the maximum amount councils can put up council tax allowed by the government. Um, so far, Reading, Bracknell, and West Berkshire have all revealed they're putting it, putting it up by by that amount. Wokingham has yet to reveal how much. Um, its increase will be. I, if I was a betting man, I would say five point nine nine percent. We're due to find that out tomorrow, which is Thursday. Um, so we'll, there will be something on Get Reading by the time this podcast comes out about that. Um, but yeah, it's all these, um, all the all the councils are struggling, struggling financially in various in various different ways. Um, Reading Borough Council revealed it's got a, a £43 million funding gap um, that it needs to address by 2020. Um, that's an awful lot of money. To, yes. Um, don't find that back down the back of the sofa, do you? you no, you don't. And um, if you talk to Joe Lovelock about government, central government funding, she has a look of exceptional weariness on her face. Um, Council's funding has gone from 58 million in 2010 to, um, I think it's 2 million this year with, with nothing eventually on the horizon. So they're having to fund themselves with council tax and um, the new business rates pilot, which gives them some money, and coming up with more and more ways to make money off, um, off their own services and reduce their costs. Uh, it's a constant issue for them looking at, looking at cutting spending in the departments across the council, it's the same in Brattle and West Berkshire too. Not quite as severely as Reading, those are too much more affluent areas um, and also much bigger areas as well. Yeah. Reading is particularly hard hit. The, the real reason why Reading is particularly struggling is a huge increase in demand for adult social care and, and children's social care as well. 
Joe has said previously it's incredibly hard to budget this because you just don't know what's going to happen from week to week yeah. um, she said when we met her last week there'd been a, mass, a massive increase in demand very recently which had led to a huge cost a huge unexpected cost increase in, in, uh, in children's services uh, forgive me I forget the exact figure uh, but it was well over a hundred thousand hundred thousand pounds that had suddenly had to be dealt with and you can't just turn these people away so this is the problem councils are facing having having to fund that and reduce other services to fund that um like i said like i say you can't just say well, we're not going to we're not going to do adult social social care anymore um so this is where this is where it lies there's, there's a range of measures to reduce costs uh library opening times are once again going to be reduced this would be a saving of two hundred and seventeen thousand pounds doesn't sound like an enormous amount when you're talking about, you're talking about uh, 43 million pounds to fine but um, you know it's one of many measures saving thousands and thousands of pounds they're not quite there yet I don't think in terms of in terms of how they're how they're going to plug this gap completely but they're looking at ways lots of ways to raise money and to cut money at the same time and uh, the, the certainly the councillors in Reading, who I who we know very well, are very fed up with it and very vocal about it. The councillors in places like Bracknell and West Berkshire, who are Tories, not openly critical of the government, but you imagine they're probably a bit a bit fed up too with yeah. the lack of money as well. <laughs> Although um, party politics does play a part in all this. So, what does it mean uh, to my council tax? How much is my council tax going up in monetary terms? In monetary terms, a band D property, um, which is the example we are always given. By the councils. Is that similar to the house that we used to live in? I think so. Okay. It's kind of not the lowest value house. It's not a, the highest. Not you know by the river in the Warren, where obviously <laughs> you pay you pay much more council tax. Yes. Um, I think it's one pound seventy two a week, which works out as about seventy pounds a year on, on the council tax, which is uh, you know it's, it's a fairly reasonable increase. But the the thing is that people are, are going to complain about in all three in all the three probably four areas is that paying more council tax and getting fewer noticeable things because all the money is being diverted into adult social care and children's services which very very important areas but a lot of people are wouldn't become involved in them they they will see council taxes pay for things like bin collections yeah and road repairs pothole repairs <laughs> for example that's a much talked about subject in all, all, all the areas we cover so uh paying more and getting less uh is unfortunately the theme but that that's the way things are and it's not going to change okay uh, thanks very much hugh that was this week's thought explains it all um any questions for hugh around council tax any thoughts any feedback on that we'd love to hear from you all so, uh, now we have a pre-recorded interview with Jess Freeland at Reading Museum. Roll the tape. Hey everyone, uh, I'm here at Reading Museum on Blargrave Street to talk with Jess Freeland about Reading Abbey, which is opening uh, very, very soon. Hey Jess, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? 
How are you enjoying being on a podcast? Oh, a little bit nervous, I won't lie. <laughs> have you have you um, listened to any of our podcasts before? Um, shamefully, I haven't, but I'm sure I will now. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep sending them to you after this. Um, so, we're here to talk about Reading Abbey. We're at the very top of uh, the museum and town hall building. Um, yes. You've made me walk up all of those stairs. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the, apparently the lift's broken. Yes, it's out of order, unfortunately, but it's, it'll get you ready for your half marathon. <laughs> That's, yeah, well, very true, very true. So, um, talk me through about... Talk me through the Reading Abbey. Um, sorry, the, when Reading Abbey reopens. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when does it reopen? So we're very excited that we can announce that it opens on Saturday the 16th of June this year, 2018. Um, we're teaming up with Waterfest, so joining up with them. So we'll have activities spreading from the Forbury all the way to Blake's Lock. There'll be reenactors, medieval civil war, doing demonstrations. There'll be historical crafts that you can have a go at, as well as all of the crafts and, and community stalls that you can see at Waterfest usually. Um, but obviously the main attraction will be the ruins itself. You'll be able to actually go inside um, and see them now that they've all been conserved which is, is really exciting and the celebrations they'll continue until the evening and we'll be revealing details of that um, over the ne- next few months really oh, fantastic well that sounds that sounds really really exciting so Hopefully. <laughs> obviously there's been a, an extensive uh, conservation project mm-hmm. on the Abbey. Yeah. Um, let's just be clear, you've not put a roof on it or anything, have no, you? No, no. And we always like to say it's conservation as well, rather than restoration. Um, we're not rebuilding the Abbey, unfortunately, <laughs> although that would be quite fun to, to have a go at. Um, it's Yeah, it's been conservation. So unfortunately, it's been closed for nine years now, um, closed in 2009, um, because bits of flint were falling off too frequently and it was just too unsafe for the public to to go in so we've been just really working with specialists to um, make sure it's safe to to kind of put capping on the top so that the rain doesn't cause any damage and to put some more mortar in so that um, it's nice and secure so that when the public come back it's it's all safe. So it's, it's quite a significant part of Reading's history, isn't it? I went on a tour around it when you opened for the for a couple of times. I think either last year or the mm-hmm. year before, twenty fifteen, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's it's quite a significant site, and it's got quite a history, hasn't Definitely. it? Definitely. Um, I think people, yeah, forget that it would have been one of the largest abbeys in the country. People, we know places like Westminster Abbey in London. That's a kind of a burial place for kings. As was Reading. Um, it was the fourth largest in the country um, at the time of its closure. And I think it's really difficult for people to kind of comprehend that we'd have had this huge, beautiful building right in the town centre, um, because there's unfortunately because there's so little of it left. It is trying to get. Um, trying to make people realise that. And it's had such an interesting history since its closure as well, obviously, in the, we try to brand it as the Abbey Quarter. So Jane Austen obviously went to school in the, in the Abbey Gateway and Oscar Wilde went to, um, was imprisoned in the jail as well. So it's not just that medieval, really important medieval past, but it's, we're trying to tell the story all the way up to the present day. That's, uh, that's, that sounds really, really interesting. So there's obviously, as, as, you, as you quite rightly said, there's, you know, there's quite a history to it. There's a few, few celebs yes. that have been hanging around <laughs> as well. A few characters in the quarter, yeah. Um, is there anything in the history that like, really fascinates you? What, what stands out for you? I find the, the story of the Hand of St James really interesting. Um, people would come from all over the country to see what would have been relics, including the Hand of St James, um, and they, they would have come, they would have processed round... Um, the town would have built up around the abbey to deal with these pilgrims that were visiting. Um, catering was a big like, industry in medieval Reading, so hospitality, which we think of as quite a modern industry. Um, so like little sausage rolls and chicken basically, nuggets Basically, yeah, yeah, forget, go to McDonald's. Um, <laughs> uh, and that would have been the same in medieval Reading, and I think that's quite a, a, a fun idea um, to think about. What was the Hand of St James? So the Hand of St James is basically what it says on the tin. 
Um, I said Tim. Tin. It was supposedly the hand of St. James the Apostle, um, and relics would have been um, holy holy bits of people, basically, which sounds a bit horrible, but... um, Yeah, the hand of St. James um, is thought to have been the hand of St. James the Apostle, um, and because of his relationship with Jesus, would have been a very would have been a real attraction for people to come for pilgrims to come see at the Abbey. Um, Again, whether it would have been the the real hand of St. James, I think there's meant to be quite a few of them dotted around Europe of different places claiming to to have the real one. Um, But nevertheless, it still brought thousands of people um, flocking to to Reading. Wow. So. Yeah, so as, as you say, the whole kind of town would have built up around basically tourism. Yeah, basically, and and um, the abbey would have really influenced town planning. So different streets would have been laid out to draw people from um, the area um, around St Mary's Butt. So the the original market would have been there, and then it moved to the marketplace uh, near the museum now. Um, and so they laid out new roads to draw people to the abbey. So to draw the emphasis um, eastwards, basically. So just talking about the the big opening on Saturday the 16th of June, yep. uh, what have you got planned? Uh, sorry, yeah, you mentioned Waterfest, but but so someone cutting the ribbon? Oh yeah, yeah. so we'll hopefully have um, the Mayor coming to, to cut the ribbon um, and other key people that have been involved with the project. Um, obviously the project's funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund as well as Reading Borough Council, so key people from there will be invited to hopefully cut the ribbon and we'll all flock in but what will be really exciting this year is really seeing the site brought to life with people in costumes um, and actually have it being able to have a go at um, activities that would have been around at the time um, being able to meet a medieval monk or a, a civil war soldier or uh, Queen Elizabeth I or something like that I think will be really exciting for people to get involved with. So, um, and, and what, what would you say is, is kind of uh, the big reason to come down to Reading Abbey? What, what, would, what would draw you in as a, as a paying punter, so to speak? Um, well, firstly, it'll be free. Excellent. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's yeah, always... So you won't need to be a paying... It'll be completely free to access. Um, and I think it's just... Um, a lot of people in Reading don't realise the significance of the history that we've got right on our doorstep. Um, and I think when you go into the space, if you haven't had a chance to... Um, since it's been closed, um, is it really is kind of a serenity to it, um, and you do understand how much history has taken place here. And I think it's something that we can really be proud of. Hopefully, when when it reopens, is um, and hopefully start putting Reading on the map. And as well as the Abbey, obviously the the, the museums the museums very busy at the moment. It's very busy downstairs. It's yes. half term currently, um, and you've got a few things going on uh, going forward over the summer as well. Yeah. So. Um, once we've had the, the Abbey launch, that's going to kickstart a whole programme of events organised um, by, by the museum. Um, we'll have regular tours. These will be for general audience and families. Some of these will be costumed as well. Um, we'll have costumed interpretation, so at different museum activities out in the ruins. So we'll try and get everyone outside. But again, you'll see kind of perhaps Empress Matilda walking around, um, walking around the site. Um, and we're also really excited that this year we'll be offering um, with Thames River Cruises trips um, around the town centre um, and stopping off at the Abbey, which will be a, a new side. That would have been a really um, important part of the Abbey's kind of history, the kind of the riverside, and so hopefully that will be brought to life um, with these regular events as well. 
So is the Abbey going to be open all week, or is it just a weekend? Thing? No, so it'll be open all the, all the time. In the same way, think of it as like the Fall, an extension of the Forbury Garden. So it'll kind of be locked up at dawn and dusk, again, completely free to access. Um, and it'll be really a community space that people can visit. We'll, um, we're encouraging people to use it. So we've got interested theatre companies, um, food festivals like Blue Collars, hoping to go in, in oh, uh, later in the year. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully it'll become a real... Kind of community hub once we reopen fantastic so is it when you when you get there talk me through what happens when you get there is it so i walk i walk down to the mm-hmm. abbey and i can just walk in and walk around yes or? of course yeah com- yeah completely accessible um we've got some really exciting new in, um information panels that are going into the ruins which will explain um what it would have looked like which is a key thing um and again the significance of the site and what's happened here um but what's really exciting is that these panels aren't just going into the ruins they're going in across the abbey court and they're going in across the town as well um you may have spotted one outside the back of john lewis at st mary's church that was our trial one so we wanted to make sure that the people had a chance to comment and uh, give us our feedback so the final versions will be installed ready for the for the launch in june and that will again draw people to the abbey but also make people look around the town a bit more differently um, and see the history around them so it's not just about the actual the ruins themselves we want to tell the um about its relationship with the town and um, get everyone involved that way as well great so it's going to spread a little bit further that's that sounds excellent um, I just wanted to ask you, it's been a big couple, of, it's certainly been a big 2018 already for the museum, I think. Um, you had a bit of social media success with the Bayer Tapestry and the announcement uh, between France and uh, that mm-hmm. France was willing to lend the Bayer Tapestry to England, which is mm-hmm. obviously very nice of them. Yep. But of course, you've got your own one, haven't you? Yes, it was It was quite funny. I remember seeing the, the announcement quite late on the night before and thinking, oh gosh, yeah, we're going to get a lot of, lot of interest today and tomorrow. Um, and it was just really lovely, I think, that how many people really just stood up and kind of said, you know what, don't worry, we've got one already in Reading. Um, and I thought that, yeah, it was, it was really lovely to see the amount of people, even that perhaps, even that aren't in Reading, that were just saying, oh, don't worry, we've already got one in England, we don't need the French <laughs> one. Um, and, yeah, the interest was, was very funny, was people suggesting that we kind of put them up next to each other and playing spot the difference with the uh, kind of our nice prude yes, Victorian one with the pants on and the kind of more heathen <laughs> copy in France um, and yeah no it was it was it, it was really nice to see such such interest and support of the museum and our and our collections that we've got here great so when talk just um, just uh, just to finish off mm-hmm. um, if I can get my words out uh, just to finish off uh, the museum is open all the time it is open Tuesday to Saturday uh, 10 till 4 um, and check our opening uh, our website for opening hours in in half term for example we opened we had a special monday opening this half term because we knew people wanted to get in but yeah tuesday to saturday 10 to 4 we're open it's completely um free to access obviously we do gratefully receive donations and we have a, a wide variety of activities um for all ages to get involved with but um you can see them on our on our website uh, readingmuseum.org.uk but if you want to know more about the Abbey project or what we've got going on on the Abbey site it's readingabbeycorter.org.uk as well. Jess, thanks very much. Thank you.
Okay, so that was uh, the excellent Jess Freeland uh, at Reading Museum talking to us about the reopening of Reading Abbey. I hope you enjoyed that. It was really good to go into the museum. I've never actually been there before, um, but it was incredibly busy as it's obviously currently half term. So uh, it was brilliant to just see it so busy and see so many people taking an interest. Um, so, yes, just moving onwards, uh, if you want to get involved in the show, you can write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. We're on Instagram. Uh, and if you can, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. Don't just leave me there on my own. Um, final thoughts, ladies and gents. Um, Jenny, you've got the festival. Yeah, I wanted to touch upon the uninspiring Reading Festival lineup that's been released this week. I, I feel really mean just like whinging about it because you know I'm sure the team have worked really hard on putting together a learner but they think everyone's going to love but Kings of Leon great they're going to be you know they're always fantastic they'll be they'll be brilliant but Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco um, Kings of Leon Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco have all played since 2005 I think I think Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco played in 2006 it's just, I just don't get it. I just want some new music. Kendrick <laughs> Lamar, fantastic. You know, he's not everybody's cup of tea and there's still people arguing that Reading should be a rock festival and it shouldn't have any grime or anything else. You know, it should just stay as it is because, you know, that's great staying the same all the time. He's exciting, but he headlined... Well, what, did he, he didn't headline, he played three years ago. It just it just seems like a very dull kind of... It's never going to please anyone, everyone, lineup. though, is it? I mean, it's, it's not, but... Let's let's have some let's let's have a headliner that hasn't played a yeah. Reading Festival before. It's just constant repetition. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm not happy with it. <laughs> but you know, it's the first it's, it's the first announcement. Those are the headliners, but it might mean that we have some really great kind of smaller acts yeah, across the other stages. True. So let's keep our fingers crossed that things get better. Um, mine, my just final thought was uh, just for a variety of reasons. I was looking at something about Thiel, and it occurred to me that if I was ever to open a brewery. In feel my first beer would be called the ale very good i know i've worked really hard on that <laughs> <laughs> hugh did you have anything to add uh not, not really this week it's been uh, fairly fairly quiet but busy nonetheless week um obviously people in people in reading bracknell and working are all going to be looking forward to a hefty increase in council tax for which they're going to get noticed far less so yes, true. That, that we can we can all look forward. <laughs> we can all look forward to that. <laughs> um, okay, well, thanks, guys. Uh, if you know anyone who would be great to interview for the podcast, please do let us know. Uh, the only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town, and most importantly, they must love Reading. Um, next week, we have got Adrian Lawson, so I'm looking forward to Reading Bicycle with, Kitchen. Yes, the very same. Um, so that's all for now. We'll see you in a week. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Jess Freeland from Reading Museum and this is the Real Reading Podcast. <laughs>